Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Praise the Lord. Good morning, church, and sure good to see you. Trust you're having a wonderful day. And uh, let's take a moment just to thank the, the music team. They did a great job this morning, right? Amen. Thank you for that. They put a lot of effort into it. Blessed my heart. Hope it blessed your heart. I like that, uh, that thought, death has been arrested, right? And we are free. Praise the Lord. We're free to serve the Lord, and we're free from the power of sin. One day, we're going to be free from the very presence of sin. Think about that. That's amazing, isn't it? So, praise God today. Did you bring your Bible? Good. Go ahead and join us in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, if you would, this morning. Matthew, chapter 28. If you're a guest, we, we really do praise the Lord for you. I'm glad you chose to come and worship with us here at uh, Open Bible today. And uh, I trust you'll enjoy the services and, uh, and feel welcome, feel part of the family. And if you're a member here, of course, we love you. We're glad you're with us today and glad you're feeling well enough to be here. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever participated in the cover-up? <laughs> what a way to start a sermon. Wow. Now, don't get nervous. We don't have anybody going to check you out this morning. There's no FBI here, you know, except for me, full-blooded Italian FBI. Uh, but think about that for a moment. Have you ever participated in a cover-up? Hmm? Let, me, let me explain to you what a cover-up is. A cover-up is an attempt to hide truth from somebody. Right? And cover-ups happen at, uh, at different levels. Correct? So think about it with me again. Have you ever participated in a cover-up? I remember being a kid. And, uh, you know, as a kid, I was, I was a sports nut. I was a sports freak. I played every sport you can possibly think of. And there wasn't probably a time in my young days when I didn't have a ball of some sort in my hands. A baseball, a basketball, a football. Uh, I was in, really into hockey a whole lot, a hockey stick and a puck. And, uh, and I remember my mother saying all the time, because I was always, I'll tell you, I was always had a, uh, some kind of a ball in my hand, don't throw that ball in this house. Well, I did, and it happened, and I participated in a cover-up. <laughs> Thank God for good big dogs with big tails. <laughs> You know, because, you know, the dog was running through and wagged his tail and knocked over the lamp or whatever it might be, you know. So, and so you know, have you ever participated in a cover-up? And here's, here's the truth, truth of it. Uh, you can level up a cover-up. Huh? Right? You can level up a cover-up because a cover-up is an attempt uh, to hide truth. And... and uh, and what you find here in this text of Scripture is a cover-up. We're going to look at that this morning. 
But let me make sure we understand. Let me make sure we understand uh, the basis. It's not just an attempt to cover up truth, but at the core of a cover-up is uh, deception. Deception. So when you and I participate in a cover-up, we're attempting to hide truth. We're, we're being deceptive. Isn't that right? We're being deceptive uh, at some level. Uh, and as a result, now pay attention to this right here. This is key. As a result of that deception, as a result of that cover-up, we are rendering someone or some people, people, a person or some people, we are rendering them ignorant. And why is that? Well, because we are, we are hiding, we are keeping back the truth from them. Did you get that? Yeah. I want you to say, preacher, I got it. If you didn't, would you say, preacher, give it to me again? I thought so. I just thought so. When, when, you, when you attempt to hide the truth, you're not just being deceptive, but you're rendering someone as being ignorant because now they don't know the truth. They have no idea in what they're dealing with. And so they're operating now uh, with faulty information. Did you get that? Huh? When anyone, if you're an authority and a subordinate comes to you with information, make sure before you act upon that information, it's not faulty in information. Make sure you're getting good intelligence. Huh? Do you ever, uh, authority figure, you're a parent, you're an employer, maybe a staff member in a church, whatever, and someone asks for your advice or counsel, and you just kind of get clogged up and you can't give them anything? Many times, people have come to me and said, Preacher, I need some counsel, and we'll sit down and we'll talk. And I get clogged up. It's almost like there's a clog between heaven and my brain or my spirit, and I can't get them anything. You know why that is many times? Because the person I'm talking to is not telling me the truth. And so when you're not dealing with truth, it's really hard to get God involved. I thought it was better than that. It was. Somebody said it was. And so, when you attempt to cover up, when you attempt to hide the truth, when you attempt or when you are being deceitful, you are rendering, now this is, this is key, that's why I'm going over it for my message, you're rendering people as ignorant. And that's what happens here in this passage. We studied this out last week, Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 28. In the beginning uh, of the text, if you remember verses 1 through 10, uh, there's a confession made. In fact, it's a great confession. Verse number 6, the angel said, He is not here, for he is risen as he said. That's a great confession. Isn't that right? That's our message for Easter morning, a great confession. Uh, at the end of the text, we looked at this last week, verse 19 to 20, 16 through 20, there is a, 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 a commission given. In fact, we call it a great commission. Right? God, the Lord Jesus Christ, commissions his disciples to go into all the world and preach this message. He is risen. He is not here. He is risen. You're forgiven. What a great message. We ought never, we ought never shy. We ought never be intimidated by sharing with people the truth that Jesus Christ is risen. And as a result, they can be forgiven. <laughs> he is risen. We're forgiven. Praise the Lord. But right in the middle of that chapter, beginning of verse number 11, 
There's a cover-up. Look at, look at verse 11. Now, when they were going, uh, uh, Jesus is, is alive, he's risen. The angel says he's not here. He's risen as he said, and he said this, go, I need you to say it, go, go tell, go tell. Look, look verse number 7. Uh, that text, and go quickly and tell his disciples he's risen. Look at verse number 10, same text. They said unto him, be not afraid, go tell. Go tell. He's not here. He's risen. Like he said, go tell somebody. But look what happens in verse 11. Now, when they were going, behold, some of the watch came in the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And so, not only did the disciples go, now, now, now stay with me right here, but so did another group. And this other group is labeled as the watch. Do you see that? Uh, I, we, we, we have time, right? Yeah, we have a little bit of time. Look in chapter number 27, verse 65. Pilate said unto them, ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as ye can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Now, who, who, who was a part of that watch? The guards. But not just the guards. Because the Sanhedrin also assigned certain Jews to be a part of that watch. So that, that watch was a mixed multitude of Roman soldiers and Jews that were, that were placed there kind of like spies you know, you, know, you know what the Sanhedrin was? The Sanhedrin was the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, right? They were the board of deacons. Man, you are just like... All right, hey, guys, make a little thing up there that says laugh and amen and, you know, flash it up there. Yeah. And so they're the leaders, Donald. And so now, uh, so uh, uh, the, 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 the Lord says, go tell. And so the disciples, they go into the city, but the watch also went. Now pay attention right here. They went, look at the text again in verse number 12. And when they were, and when they, uh, and when they were assembled with the elders, it didn't say, it didn't say, pay attention here. It didn't say when they were assembled with the Roman authorities, or when they assembled with the governor, Pilate. No, it says when they were assembled with the elders. Who are the elders? That's the Sanhedrin. That's the leaders. That's the Jewish leaders. When they were assembled and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. Did you see what happened here? And so, look here, uh, the watch comes, they give a report, and here's what they say. Hey, hey, while we, were, while we were asleep, when we woke up, he was gone. Jesus is gone. What do we do now? See, they, they, knew, they knew what Jesus had predicted. They knew that he said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. They knew there was something, there was something different about this guy. And so they come into the city, and they say, hey, he, he's gone. He's not here. And they said, while we slept, but look here, what you may not understand is those Roman soldiers, if they were part of that and said, while we slept, someone stole him, that would be derelict of responsibility. And you know what that would mean? The execution upon them. 
And so the elders say to the Roman soldiers, listen, here's what you need to say. You need to say when you're questioned that his disciples came while we were asleep and took the body away. Now, I'm going to tell you something, man. They must have been paying, they must have, they must have paid them some pretty good money for them to go along with that because they did go along with that. So look, verse, verse 15. So they took the money and did as they were as they were taught. They took the money. So it must have been a good amount of money for them to admit that, you know, that body was stolen when they were asleep. Are you with me? And so there's a, there's a, a, a cover-up that's going on here, right? Did you see it? And, uh, and, and here, here's, here's, here's what I want you to note. It was concocted. Did you ever hear that word? Concocted? That's a Northeast kind of word. If I would have said concocted in Florida, they would have looked at me like, is he speaking Italian again? <laughs> they, they concocted this story, this conspiracy. Who was it? It was the religious leaders. It wasn't the Romans. It was the religious leaders muddying the waters. It was the religious leaders. Pay attention right here. It was the religious leaders who were attempting a cover-up. It was the religious leaders who were hiding the truth. It was the religious leaders who were being deceptive. It was the religious leaders who were rendering others ignorant. The religious leaders. And you know, if you think about it, this, this cover-up has been going on for centuries. Huh? There has been an attempt to uh, direct attention and replace attention when it comes to God from the very beginning. Isn't that right? Think about creation. You know, we believe here at OB, we believe that God created everything that is. We believe that God is the creator, and all you have to really do is look out, look at the design where everything is in place. But you know, from the very beginning, there has been an attempt to hide that truth. You know, uh, evolution where all of a sudden one day there was just this massive explosion of matter and this matter started to assemble itself and we have what we have today just through happen chance. Really? I'll tell you why it takes more faith to believe that than to believe that there's a God above, you know, who one day just said, let there be, let there be, let there be, and there was, there was, there was. Right? But it didn't stop there. It didn't stop at creation. No, this attempt to cover up, this attempt to deceive, this, this attempt to render ignorant has gone on and on and on. In fact, it didn't even stop at salvation. Because if you think about it, for, for centuries now, there has been a, a, an attempt to either redirect or replace our faith, you know, especially when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you know what happens around Christmas time? Emphasis is no longer upon the birth of our Savior Jesus. It's upon a big old fat guy with a white beard wearing a red suit named Santa Claus. You know, and Christmas trees and gifts and shopping and Black Friday and Cyber Monday and, you know, Go Broke Tuesday and... <laughs> right? Huh? Are you with me? 
And then, of course, Easter, the resurrection. You know, and so we, got, we have the Easter bunny and the Easter egg and the Easter basket and the Easter bonnet. And what else? And Easter candy and Easter bread and Easter clothes. And then you got Easter service. Huh? <laughs> right? It's been going on and on and on and on. And here's what we may neglect to see. It has rendered ignorance in society when it comes to God. Right? Don't turn there, but trust me on this. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is speaking with his disciples. And he says something like this to them. He says, so fellas, uh, uh, can, I, can I just... Can I be me for a second? I won't offend you. He's talking to his disciples, and he says, so what's the word on the street? Now, what he really said in, 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 in the Bible was, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? In other words, Donald, let's just be frank. If we were talking today, Jesus, if we were here today, uh, he might say something like, so what's the word on the street? What, what are people saying out there? It was important to him. It was important to him that people in society understood his message and his mission that he, he was on. And so he said, what's the word on the street, right? And, and, and they came back and they get, Peter gives them the answer, right? And what was the answer? Well, you're like one of the prophets. You're like Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, you know? And then, of course, he said, but, but who do you say that I am? Well, that's what really mattered to him. What do you, and, and Peter, of course, you know, thou art the Messiah, the Son of God, you know? Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjuna, flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven hath revealed it unto thee. But he starts off with this set, 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 set statement, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? It was important to him. Why? Because he knew that there was an ignorance going on in society. And by the way, that ignorance didn't stop them. Because today... We live in an ignorant society when it comes to God. One of my all-time favorite things is I love the man-on-the-street interviews. Did you ever see the man-on-the-street interviews where somebody goes down and says, so let me ask you a question. What was Barack Obama's first name? <laughs> you know? Right? The first president's name was George. And they, they look at him like people look at him like George... George Jones, you know, right? It amazes me. Well, some Christian guys have gone out on the street. In fact, we did this, Donna, we did this back some, some years ago in, in Bradenton, Florida, where I sent some of my assistant pastors out with microphones and recordings, and, and they ask people along the way, hey, you got to, can, can, I, can I talk to you just for a second? And, and literally, people just pulled aside. We put microphones on their, uh, on their shirt. And we ask him some questions like, what do you believe about God? And what do you think about the church? And are you saved? And man, it was great. Then I, I showed the video in church. You know, it was, it was something. We had to edit it. <laughs> Especially the part one of my assistant pastors punched this guy. It was, I think he punched a lady. Was it the lady? I forget what it was. But we had to edit that part. But what, what's the word on the street? I thought you might like to know. Fellas, would you run that video? Here's the 
question, okay? This is your opinion. Who is Jesus? See, now, see, now you won't start trouble. It's a myth created by man in order to control society. I don't, I don't consider Jesus my savior or my spiritual leader. He is a spiritual leader and right. one of the spiritual leaders I learned from. Who is Jesus, in Who your opinion? Who was he? Who was Who he? Who was he? Was a man. He was a man. Okay. Absolutely. Your opinion. Jesus is, in my opinion, yeah. he's everything around here. He's spiritual, everything, earth, water, fire, everything. Jesus is all that's good, all the things that are positive and affirmative in life. Uh, that's Jesus. I believe he's a higher power in the form of a man. Everyone else walking around, there's not another Jesus. There's just one. So yeah, I believe he definitely did something. Oh. Yeah, uh, like on Jesus like, is not a person. He's not a person. Okay. Okay. So do you believe he was a man or just like some higher power or? No, I don't believe in. Don't believe he even no. existed. No. Okay. No. Jesus is um, our savior. Jesus is everything. He's the reason why we live. He's the reason why um, we get to do the things that we do in life. He's my heart and he's what I speak through my poetry, through my work, through my everyday life. That's Jesus. Historical figure? I don't know. I think he was just a person. I don't know. Just a normal person like us. He was a selfless person. I have no clue. He was a man. I think he was marketing genius because he got people to believe him. I don't, I don't think he's the son of God. I don't believe that at all. If David Copperfield was in the day of Jesus, he would be Jesus. I'm pretty sure he existed. Like, I'm not going to say that he didn't exist. He was God's son, but so was Gandhi, and so was Muhammad, and so was, you know. We're all God's children. Jesus is someone I pray to. Well, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Um, and he, to me, is the like symbol of just ultimate forgiveness and ultimate love. He's sort of that like constant figure in my life. Jesus is also Isa in Arabic, and he was a messenger as well. He was just extremely enlightened, like religiously and morally. He was somebody that um, just tried to um, impart wisdom on others and um, make the world a better place. I think he saw something that a lot of people didn't see and still don't see in others. And I, I think that's just a lot of love and, and hope. Jesus sort of seemed like an ominous uh, figure. You know, he just, he, he was God and it was hard to relate to him. But I think as I've grown in my faith a lot, I've really started to see Jesus as my closest friend. Yeah, break your heart. I could have showed you another hour worth of information, comment. But as I watched that this past week and put that all together, it literally breaks my heart to think that people are so ignorant. And my question is how they get so ignorant. God created everything that is, right? And the Bible says this, that God put inside of every man enough light, enough truth to seek him. And when we begin to seek him, we seek him through creation. You know, the invisible things of, of God's creation are clearly seen leading us to God. You look out and you say, man, there's got to be, right? And then we have a conscience. 
you know, and even though some of our consciences are seared, not ours, but people in society, there is that in that Holy Spirit inside, the voice of the Holy Spirit in our conscience saying, that's not right, that's not right, this is the way, this is the way, you know, but people begin to reject that. Why? Because they've been, they've been told a lie. They've been told a lie, right? You think, about, you think about that story here in Matthew chapter number 28. You know, hey, when they come and ask where, you know, his body is, tell them that the disciples stole the body when you were asleep. Can I tell you the, the biggest flaw, the weak link in that? How would they know if they were asleep who stole the body? Right? So every lie has a weak link. My dad used to say this, if you're going to tell a lie, you better have a good memory. The truth is always the truth. But a lie, you know, that story changes all the time. Are you with me? How in the world, you know, have, have these people gotten so ignorant when it, comes to, when it comes to God, when it comes to Jesus? Sad, huh? And that's why our message needs to be that much more clear, right? See, Easter, Easter, we celebrate, of course, this Easter time. And what we celebrate is the practical truth of Easter. And here's the practical truth. Are you listening real good? It's real simple. God, the God of, of all living, the God of the universe, almighty God, sent his only begotten son, Jesus, into this world. And that Jesus, God's only begotten son, came, lived a perfect life, and just after 33 years, he was crucified, buried, and rose again. And that same Jesus, this is practical truth. This is Easter truth. That same Jesus is coming back one day for those of us who believe that message. That's the story. That's the message of Easter, you know? I mean, are we against Easter bunny and Easter eggs and Easter baskets and Easter bonnets and Easter clothes and Easter candy? No, love it all. I love Christmas trees and Christmas presents and eggnog and, and all the fans. I love it all, but I don't want it to replace the truth of what we're celebrating. <laughs> and at Easter time, we're celebrating the fact that he's risen and we are forgiven. And people out there need to know. We need to know. And so the practical truth of Easter is the resurrection of God's only begotten Son, Jesus. But then there are some practical implications. And I want to give you just a couple of thoughts that you may take with you before you leave this morning. Some practical implications of the resurrection of Christ. And we would say it this way, because he's alive, because Jesus Christ is alive, he was who he said he was. That's a practical implication. Huh? He wants some, some lunatic making unfounded claims. No, because he's alive, because he resurrected on the third day, he was, he is who he said he was. Amen. There's Bible for that. Listen to what the scripture says in John chapter 2, verse number 19. Jesus said this, he answering said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Huh? Here, here's what Jesus said. Uh, the Jews thought, of course, he was speaking about the physical temple, but Jesus was speaking about his body. 
Huh? And he said, if you destroy this temple in three days, I'm going to raise it up. Boy, that's an outlandish landish claim. You killed me, and in three days, I'm going to be alive. Hey, if anybody in this room made that claim, you know, we might be tempted to kill them just to see if they would. <laughs> he went on and said this in John chapter number 11, Jesus, his words. He said, John chapter 11, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe that? Look, look, Jesus said, believest thou this? Do you believe that? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Because he's alive, the implication is he was, he is who he said he was. John chapter 8, verse number 58. Again, Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. I am. Now, for you and I, we might say, I don't understand that. What do you mean, I am? I am what? But for the Jews, they knew what he was saying. Because when Moses went before God and God said to Moses, you need to go represent me, Moses said, I don't even know your name. Who shall I tell them sent me? And God said to him, you need to tell them that I am. I am hath sent thee. I think Moses might have said, I am what? And we might say this. People say to me all the time, Pastor, what does that mean, I am? That means this, I am everything you need me to be just when you need me to be it. So when you're afraid, I'll be there for you to take away the fear. When you need life, I am your life. When you need peace, I am your peace. I am that I am, is what he said. <laughs> Man, that's good. Because he's alive, he is who he said he is. But not only that, because he's alive, we can know him today. That's a second practical implication. Because Jesus Christ has resurrected from the dead, from the grave, and because he's alive, we can know him today. We can know him today. I remember a text of Scripture in John's Gospel, the 20th chapter, where Jesus is now, he's post-resurrection. He's out of the grave. And he's appearing, you know, he's appearing to his disciples, and man, and they're coming back and they're saying, it's amazing, but man, we've seen him. We've seen him, and now they're all gathered together, and Jesus appears, but when he appears, a fellow named Thomas isn't there. And so now the disciples are all, man, they're all excited. You know, they're having some fellowship, they're having a cup of coffee and, a, and some, 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 you know, donuts or cake, and man, they're all kibitzing and having fun, and there's Thomas, and Thomas said, man, he said, I'll not believe unless I could, what? Unless I can touch, unless I can see. And all of a sudden, guess what happens? Jesus shows up. He's right in the midst of them, you know, and he, and he looks at Thomas and, and he says in John chapter number uh, 20 and verse number 29, he says, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. You know, Jesus said to Thomas, go ahead, man. If you have to, go ahead and touch. Thomas said, no, man, I'm good, Lord. I'm good. I believe now. 
But the Lord said, yeah, you believe because you see. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Guess who's talking about? Because he's alive, Tony, because he's alive, we can know him today. We can know him today. In fact, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2 says this. Go ahead and flip it, fellas. Uh, John speaking, he said, Beloved, now, now are we the sons of God. Now are we the sons of God. I love this. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but here's what we know. We know that when he appears, we're going to be like him, for we're going to see him just as he is. We can know him. We can know him. John chapter number 1 and verse number 12, we read these words, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Because he's alive, we can know him. Let me ask you this morning. Church, those that are here in this place this morning, do you know him? Oh, no, no, no. I didn't ask you if you know about him. Do you know him? I didn't ask if you know some facts about him, but do you know him? Big difference. Big difference. That's a big difference. And if you were to ask anybody who's saved in this room their testimony, they would tell you this, there was a time that I knew about him, but then there came that day when I actually got to know him. I was raised up, you've heard me say this before, as a Roman Catholic. And so from the time I can remember, I knew about him. I knew about him. I knew about him. I knew that he was the third person of the Godhead, God's son, died on the cross, was buried, rose again. I, I, I knew those things about him, but I didn't know him. Oh, not until I was around 19, 20 years old. When I, when I said something like this, Jesus, right now, today, I confess to you, I agree with you that I'm a sinner, and I agree I need a Savior, and I believe and agree that you are the Savior. Would you now be my Savior? And boy, he came into my life. And what a wonderful change has been wrought. Because he's alive, he is who he said he was. Because he's alive, we can know him. And then finally, because he's alive, we have resurrection hope. We have hope of a resurrection. Amen? We have hope of a, of a, of a resurrection. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 20. He said, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Huh? Paul said, Paul said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul said this, the same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave is going to one day resurrect me. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, when, etern when, when the morning breaks eternal, bright and free, when the de dead of uh, all the earth shall gather on the other shore, when that roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. 
<laughs> I'll be there. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad? Now, here's the truth of it, and I'm going to finish. The attempt to cover up the truth of Jesus, his resurrection, had one big snag. And you know what it was? He was alive. <laughs> he was alive. Huh? And they've been searching, now pay attention here, they've been searching for more than 2,000 years and they still haven't found his body. You know why that is? Because just like he said he would, <laughs> he, he rose again. He rose again. And today, today, he's seated at the right hand of the Father where he makes intercession for you and I. That's his present day ministry. Praying for you. Praying for me. Praying for us. So what's he praying? He's praying that our faith fail not. Huh? He's praying that when the devil attacks and goes all against us, then our faith fail not. He's alive. He's alive. He's not here. He is risen, as he said. Friend, listen. Don't allow ignorance to keep you from the truth. Don't allow apathy or religion or politics or people or even yourself to keep you from saving truth. Huh? Because there's only one truth, and here it is. You ready? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But by me. And so do you know the truth today? Jesus said this. He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Free. Let's bow together just for a moment. Now, don't, don't, don't turn me off yet. Don't turn me off yet. Just bow your head for a moment. And I want you to think about this. Do you know for sure that when you die, you're going to go to heaven? Do you know that for sure? Look here, just because you come to this church is no guarantee. Just because you know me by name is no guarantee. Just because your mom or dad were good Christian folk is no guarantee. Just because you know that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and rose again, is no guarantee. Has there been a time where you have come into a relationship with God's only begotten son, Jesus? Has there been a time where you said, Jesus... I agree, I confess, I agree that I'm a sinner needing of a Savior, and I accept you as my Savior. I believe you're the Savior. Be my Savior. Can you point to a time in your life where that became a reality? Hey, I was taught from first grade on up about Jesus, but I didn't get to know him personally until I was, well, graduated high school. Do you know for sure the Jesus of the Bible Have you trusted him? Put your faith in him. Are you depending upon him to be your savior? That's the question. That's the most important question. What happens after that? Well, that's all, that's all up to him and you. But that's where it begins. Do you know Jesus as your savior? Our heads are bound. No one's looking about so that no one's embarrassed. And I want you to ponder that. Back in November 1979, someone shared that truth with me and then asked me this question, is there anything keeping you today from accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And I said to that person, no. 
And the person said, well, then would you be willing to do that right now? And I said, yeah, what do I need to do? And they led me into prayer. They, 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 I prayed a prayer like this, Jesus, I, 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 be, I believe I'm a sinner. I, I, I agree. I, I, I sin. And I, I agree I need a Savior. Would you come into my life right now and be my Savior? I prayed that prayer, man, a long time ago, 40-some years ago. And if you were to ask me today where I'm going to spend my eternity, here's what I'd say to you, for sure, without a doubt, 100% sure, I'm going to heaven. Not based upon anything that I've done, but based upon what Jesus did on that cross. I am trusting in Jesus. And look here, if I die and go to hell, then I'm going to go to hell trusting in Jesus. Have the things I said to you this morning made sense? Did they make sense? Well, then what's keeping you today uh, from putting your faith, your trust, your total dependence in the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior? Maybe you'll let me do for you what someone did for me. Let me lead you in prayer. Our heads are bowed. Would you bow your heart right now? And would you say, Jesus, right now, I accept you as my personal Savior. May this be the day written on my spiritual birth certificate. April 2nd, 2023. It is is 11.50 in the a.m. If you got saved right now here today, you'll never forget that time or date. That's your, that's your stamp of your new life in Christ. Jesus, come into my life right now. Be my Savior. I trust you. I confess my sin, but I want you to be my Savior. Now, that's important business. I remember doing that, and I guarantee you anyone in this room who is saved can tell you the same thing. They remember the day they did. I remember the day when heaven came down And Jesus filled my soul. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.